1: This is the Wesson Walker Show.
2: Even the crowd knows what's
1: coming next. I want to come in with a good mood on Wesson Walker on Sports and, uh, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. And I thought I was going to come in with an even greater mood with a big old box of Dunkin' Donuts. Except, oh wait, it's just a box of Dunkin' Donut. There's yeah. one left. The Morning Show destroyed it. Mac and Bone,
3: Flounder.
1: Uh, I'm calling you all out. There are zero donuts. I walk in. Jeff is still in here. Ooh, what's the box of donuts for? Jeff said, just because it's Tuesday. Just because I felt like it. And then Wes looks at me with a deadpan face, hands me the box, <laughs> and I open it up, knowing what he, finding out what he already knows. Oh, wait, there's just one donut in here. And then even Colin walking out saying, yeah, I'm glad everybody gets to experience the station donuts where there's only one. Maybe we can cut it up amongst the three of us. Yeah, three of them ran through 11 donuts.
3: Look how fat he is.
1: the morning show just destroyed it. Maybe there are other people that ate some too. I'm not sure. But all I know is that there is one left in that box and uh, it's not for Weston Walker. It's not for Kyle Bailey. It was really for Mac and bone. And Hey, that's what happens when you're up at the top of the mid morning (laughs) show ranking, like your, excuse me, the morning show ranking midday show, not there, but Kyle Bailey at least should deserve a couple of donuts here, right? Like nobody else is going to be able to enjoy this. How frustrated are you by it?
3: Not very, because I had a donut. Oh, you jerk. Yeah, Shroppy and I got in on the donuts, um, but just one. Oh,
1: he just held that in. Yeah, he, he did. That's why he wasn't as mad. If Fiddy yeah. isn't mad about only one donut being left, you know he's already been fulfilled. Right, exactly. He's already grabbed at least a couple, and maybe or at least one, and there's Fiddy already just taking a couple of these. Yeah, maybe that. All right, so we'll figure out. <laughs> Donut gate here and see who else ate some of the donuts despite weston Walker not being able to get any. We appreciate you joining us here on weston Walker. Again, you're listening to Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. Feel free to text in 704 570 9610. I'm still in a good mood though because I have to talk Hornets all the time and I got a couple wins to talk about here in
2: a row. We call that back to back if I remember correctly. Right. I mean, the Hornets getting it done. When they won last night, I said, well, look at them on a win streak now, huh?
1: I don't know exactly what it was that Fitty was doing. But when I was saying that, he was looking to the sky and holding his hands up. And I thought maybe he was looking to be struck by lightning because two wins have just taken place. Maybe he was looking for flying pigs. But now I know, now that I feel what's going on. feel it. AC is working back in the Planet Kia Studios. Oh, wow. And Fiddy got real excited. Well.
0: Ah! Fitty
2: yesterday, it was a sauna.
1: Fiddy was baking yesterday. <laughs> yeah, me too. And Fiddy made the unfortunate uh, decision to wear a hoodie without a t-shirt under it. And so he said, guys, I'm not going to lie to you. (laughs) I don't mean to do this, but I might have to take my hoodie off. And he never did, just in case anybody with power is listening to this radio program right now. He never did take off his hoodie, but he said, guys, I might have to. It's not even just to be funny. It might be for my
2: survival to take this hoodie off. But you always got to wear a T-shirt under a hoodie. Got to, man. Got to. I don't know know, how that goes unless you're going to do something athletic. If you're going to a workout, if you're going to practice or something like that that mm-hmm. then I could see maybe doing uh, a move like that but other than that for casual wear especially in the winter I feel like a man is always supposed to wear an undershirt in the winter time you gotta have layers I'm with you
1: Yeah, I, I always wear an undershirt with a hoodie yeah. with any kind of sweatshirt but Fiddy and that's probably why like you never know if you're gonna need that t-shirt under it and Fiddy found out the hard way yesterday and he just had to ride
2: with that hoodie then he could have taken it off because yep. I've done that in here when it's been really hot Yep, I've got the undershirt underneath I mm-hmm. can just take off whatever I need to I'm good. All right, speaking of being hot,
1: that's exactly what the Charlotte Hornets are right now. After beating the Indiana Pacers last night, 111-102, it's an entirely different team. You're getting entirely different outcomes. Let's pull up to the scene, open up the doors. Mr. Bus Driver, let's get off the bus.
2: We look good getting off the bus.
0: I got something to say.
1: Wes, can I interest you in what the new-look bench is doing in these games lately? Yes, you can. Okay, great. Grant Williams, 6 of 12 from the field last night. The leading scorer for this team, scoring 21 points. 2 of 6 from 3-point range. 7 of 8 from the free throw line. 4 rebounds, 3 assists. Nice game for Grant Williams. Seth Curry stole the show because Seth Curry, wearing number 30 just like his daddy... With his daddy being able to call these games, we have this heartfelt moment. Perhaps dads everywhere are welling up because they can identify with what's going on. Seth Curry, 18 points, 7 of 11 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3-point range. Bertans hits 3 points. Michich, not quite the game that he had in his Hornets debut the previous time, but Micic does have a big old bucket down the stretch, and they all help the Hornets win, 111-102. to 102. Over 40 points scored from the bench, Wes. Quite different, considering none of the other guys are getting any minutes whatsoever. No minutes for Nick Smith Jr., Leaky Black, both optioned down to the G League after getting real minutes in the NBA. No minutes for JT Thor, Nathan Mensah, Bryce McGowans. Steve Clifford is rolling with like an eight and a half man rotation with Davies Bertans being that half guy. And now the Hornets are actually winning games. They're putting up points, 111 feels like they're 125 compared to a normal basketball team but here they are in the 111 they score 115 the last time out very different squad you're looking at these last two games after the trade deadline
2: yeah and the thing that you see with it man and Seth talked about it after the game last night he was like you know when Ashley asked them about the chemistry and how they've been able to get it so quickly and he said you know we got guys over there now that know how to play we've got vets that know how to play and win in this league And you see the stark contrast when you are out there with, like we called them before, the baby bees. You see the mistakes. You see the lack of defense. You see the lack of execution at crunch time. You see the lack of execution when games could get out of hand as far as a team going on a run and them not knowing what plays to make, what plays to execute, to be able to stop that run and, and stop the, you know, the the bludgeoning, so to speak. And so I think now with these veterans, you're seeing a, a totally different product out there. You're seeing guys who, as he said, know how to win. They know what plays to make win. They know the ebbs and flows of the game. And so that's got to be exciting, especially for Coach Clifford to finally have some guys in the locker room that he knows that he can come in and deliver a message and it's going to be retained and it's going to be carried out to the best of his ability on the court. And that's not to say this team is about to go on a playoff run. right? But I know for Coach Clifford, it definitely helps his job become that much easier when he has veteran guys that know and understand exactly what he wants and can go out there and at least try to execute it to the best of their ability.
1: Trust me, I would love nothing more than for this team to go on a run and allow me to win this bet that I am so desperately behind on, and that would force Fitty to spread his bald head with Jif or Chunky Smooth, doesn't matter, just any type of peanut butter. (laughs) I don't expect that's going to happen, but at least we have a couple of wins to speak of. We can go to the text line. Feel free to share your opinions or thoughts on what the Hornets are doing here lately. Trophy husband did that. He said, I'm going to be honest, Walker. I've seen my son put up a mid-range jumper. I don't think I can connect to Dell on this one. That's tough, man. (laughs) Sorry about that. Hey, it happens. They're just going to be successful in something else in life. Herman Photography writes in, big shout to Herman, who joined us at the watch party on Friday. The Pacers announcer said they have to play some defense because this ain't the same Hornets team. No, it's not. They're actually putting up some points, and the bench can actually score a little bit. George writes in, the most impressive thing about this win is holding the high-scoring Pacers team to only 102 points. Great point by George, because this is one of the best offensive teams, at least statistically, that we've seen in quite some time. On a bunch of historic runs, trading for Pascal Siakam, so they only got better. And what I love is the fact that the Pacers had a small players-only meeting last night after the game because they lose to the Charlotte Hornets, with which is hilarious to me. Hey, if we lose to Charlotte, we got to have a players-only meeting, get this thing back on track. And here the Pacers are at 30 and 25. Not the injuries that the Memphis Grizzlies were dealing with, Wes. And so, even if we can be understanding about the context, right? Okay, new look team, they beat the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies might only be, or might be the only team with worse injury luck than the Hornets this year. They have had terrible injury luck, and they were down a bunch of guys in that game. Cool, we still win. We'll take them how we can get them, but let's provide the context. Provide all the context you want to here. Pacers are a good squad, and they had Halliburton out there. They had Siakam. They had Matherin coming in off the bench. Miles Turner was the leading scorer for them. No, we can provide the context and then still take home, oh, okay, this Hornets team still got the win. Is there a guy you look to, a new look Hornet specifically, West, that you look to and say, okay, that kind of change – is what's more indicative of what we can see down the line. What is sustainable from some of these players that you're seeing from one of these new-look Hornets?
2: Well, you know, a guy like Seth Curry, he's a guy that's respected for what he can do coming off the bench. We know that he's instant offense, and we know that he's been around the league. He's played on winning teams. He's traveled around the league. He's a grizzled veteran. He's got that kind of experience to be able to bring to the table as a professional. Grant Williams, we know that he came from a winning program in Boston and then went to dallas and i know he had his issues in dallas but he still strikes me as a guy that's a tough guy that's that's going to come in and do the job how it needs to be done and it's also going to be able to have that wisdom in that game Uh, for the younger players on that roster. And he's another guy, when he's out there, he looks like he's 100% in control uh, of his game when he's playing. There's no ups and downs with him. He's going to come and continue to play, and his face is going to stay pretty much the same uh, the entire game. So I think those are the things that you're seeing from this squad. And then Trey, man, you know, he's just coming out there Just a new guy trying to find his way. Just happy to be getting some minutes, to be frank, because we know that his Oklahoma City career started out. Yeah, we know his Oklahoma City career started out uh, with a lot of success and then kind of trailed off. But I think the main thing that you've seen is just an infusion of guys who are real deal pro basketball players, and they're not worried about anything else but hooping when they come out on the court and winning. Richard
1: Petty on the text line, I hope the real one, asked the question, Walker, how do you expect Brandon's role to change going forward? Should we expect better numbers or worse because of all of the shooters now? It's a great question and something that has been a stark difference in watching Hornets basketball, how Brandon Miller has impacted the game. He is still very good. We saw a big boy jumper at mid-range in a key moment of yesterday's win against the Pacers. But also, he only put up eight field goal attempts, Wes. Five three-pointers and only eight overall field goals, playing 29 minutes, only scoring 12 points. That's two games in a row, both of these victories, where we've seen Brandon Miller have a lack of volume. If you look at what Brandon has done really since the beginning of December, when you have a couple of injuries, LaMelo Ball being out after playing the first 17 games and whatnot, Brandon Miller's usage was towards the top of the league not like James Harden Rockets level not Russell Westbrook but he was in the 97th percentile in some of these games 98 they were going to Brandon constantly and now you look at the last two games he's been in the below 50 percentile and so it's a great question because Brandon Miller's role has absolutely changed with how they have a bench and With LaMelo Ball coming back at some point, Wes, Steve Clifford gave us the comment that he's actually starting to contribute a little bit more on the court as far as he's doing more things. He's not just resting his ankle. Now, we could expect him probably, I would say, post All-Star break. They'll have a game against the Hawks tomorrow. And then after that, we'll have the All-Star break. We'll see if he comes back then. I'm interested in what Brandon Miller's role is gonna be as the season goes on. If we're gonna continue to see this lack of volume, especially when you add LaMelo ball to the mix. What do we think about when LaMelo was added back to the line?
2: Yeah, well, I know LaMelo, if anything, you know, this is a guy when you talk about playing basketball, he does have on the offensive end a pretty good IQ. And so I think that he knows that Brandon Miller is a guy that they need to be successful in order for them to continue to be successful. So I think he's going to make sure Miller is getting his touches there. Miller can create uh, his own shots as well and do what he needs to do. But I think when Melo comes back, yeah, of course he's going to want to get Uh, his numbers but i think that he'll make sure that he puts brandon miller in a position to where he can keep him on the successful train as well well it's not even i don't even know if it's necessarily going to be
1: mellow helping brandon do that i'm i'm interested in the lack of shot opportunities for instance grant williams had four more field goal attempts seth curry had three more field goal attempts Bertans, who only played 12 minutes, comes in firing. Like, he comes in for 13, 15, 16 minutes, and he comes out firing from three-point range. That's a lot. That's a field goal attempt every two minutes for Bertans. So, what's interesting is, when Brandon Miller was holding on to the basketball as much as he did, the efficiency actually didn't go away. He was still getting good shots, yeah. and he was still hitting them, but now... It, they still weren't winning though, right? And so like this still matters. You're get you have a couple of victories. Brand Miller's volume is coming down okay that's fine because we need to build winning habits we need to build some type of winning culture that's going to go a much longer way than hey Brandon here take everything and we're going to continue to lose some games even if it means we get to watch you just ball out we need the wins that's what's happening and I'm interested to see how the stars roll will be going forward we're going to give you a couple of tickets to tomorrow night's game against the Atlanta Hawks fellas if you want to take your girl to a Valentine Day basketball game. I don't know if they're down with that, but if they are, we're going to give you a chance to win a couple of tickets to tomorrow night's game at Spectrum Center against the Atlanta Hawks. Because there are five new additions, we're going to go with the fifth caller. If you are the fifth caller at 704-570-9610, then you will win two tickets to tomorrow night's game against the Atlanta Hawks. 704 Again, two tickets, Atlanta, Spectrum Center, tomorrow night tip at 7 p.m. We'll see you on the other side talking about more Super Bowl stuff. Uh, Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hornets high after they win last night against the Indiana Pacers 111 to 102. It's a new look basketball team and I can't wait for Fiddy to have to put peanut butter on his head because the Hornets have this historic comeback. Feel free to talk about the historic comeback yourself on the text line 704 570 9610. We've got a couple of good text messages rolling in. George wrote in again. I think Brandon Miller is comfortable winning and having a reduced role rather than scoring a bunch of points and losing. Totally agree with that. Trump Trophy husband, just talking about how he doesn't think he's going to have the same problem or have the same basketball relationship as Dell and Seth Curry might have. He did say his kid's only two, though, and they have a new goal at their house. And so perhaps maybe we can get a Seth Curry from trophy
2: husband. Well, one thing, too, that I got to say, you know, it's only a two-game sample size so far. I don't think that that's going to be a trend uh, for Brandon Miller. Real quick, too, man, I just had to. Get your thoughts, man, on that Wimby triple double with blocks last night in less than thirty minutes.
0: I mean, yeah, how wild
2: was that? Is wild. I mean, he's the only player in the NBA to ever do that. So, I thought that that was crazy last night. Wait, no, no way. Said, Not, That's what they uh, said? Uh, probably under 30. Okay, I'm sorry. Under yeah, 30 minutes. And, that makes more yeah, sense. Yeah, and, and no, that's 30 crazy. minutes. But, yep. yeah, some of the highlights from that game, too, man.
1: No, Wimby's nuts. Mm. Like, yeah, I, I know you're going through some pain. I don't know why you would do this to yourself, though. This is two days now after a Super Bowl loss, and now you're just watching nah, Wimby highlights? I mean, you
2: know, you see it all through your timeline. I think when he had, like, nine blocks, they had started putting a bunch of clips up, and then once he got it, you know, there was a bunch of different uh, tweets talking about it. Wes, you got to
1: block out the poison,
2: though. When you see now,
1: Wimby, like, you got to just keep scrolling, man. Nah. This is not so soon after the 49ers lost. Well,
2: no, nah, it doesn't hurt me like that, but it's just, you know, I enjoy watching the highlights for one, man. I just love seeing every night what he's going to do, man. But last night to have a triple-double with 10 blocks, that's high school stuff. He's in denial, folks. I think well, Wes is in. <laughs>
3: How long is sports-depressed Wes going to be with us?
0: I'm not depressed. Wes. I'm good. Wes, calm down. Everything is fine.
1: Chill yeah. out. Jeez. Yeah, I'm good, man. You're crying, basically. I've moved on. Hey, can, can you pass that box of tissues real quick? <laughs> Wes needs some. He's clearly not okay. He's in denial. Yeah, I've moved on. He's in on that to next stage. Year. All right, we have a couple of other text messages rolling in. 336 says, Grant Williams is the voice and toughness we have needed for a decade. Grant Williams also wearing number two for the Charlotte Hornets, and so Grant Williams helping out. I saw out.
2: people that said they were just going to go get an old Marvin Williams jersey for the Chiefs and then just pass it off as a uh, jersey for Grant Williams.
1: It could work. It could absolutely work. Panther Bo saying, we fleeced these fools. I do think that they clearly – I look – Dallas, if they go deep into the postseason because of what they did with PJ and Oklahoma City gets good minutes in the postseason because Gordon actually plays and you don't have to rely on him a lot. It's still trades worth making on their end. But I mean, this is I'm not even saying they already won because I understand that a lot more has to happen. But without the benefit of hindsight, we got a first round pick. Yeah. Top two protected. Like I'm good. I'm good with watching those guys leave the organization. The other thing real quickly before we get to some Super Bowl talk, I did want to ask this because Fiddy's been, I think it's okay to use this word. He's been enthralled with my beard that I'm growing and I'll put quotations there. I didn't know you were doing that. Exactly. See, there's the quotations, right? Because you have to get a little close (laughs) to my face to see it, but I'm just shaving the neck. I'm not going Andrew Luckbeard style, but I am. I was like, you know what? I'll try to keep this thing going. A little chin strap, maybe like a broader chin strap beard. And I'm trying this thing out. It reminded me of J.J. Watt's tweet over the weekend. You ever switch up your hair and wonder if anyone will notice? They notice.
2: Oh, they definitely did for him. They did for him. Now, (laughs) mine
1: is a much more subtle change, but this led me to a question for the text line, and then we can come back to it, maybe on the other side of the break or whatnot. But I did want to ask, has there ever been a style that you've tried, just a little switch up, that went horribly wrong? Has there ever been anything like that? This beard, I need to try to keep this thing going before I can make a real decision, but I don't think it's working out all that well. My brothers have bleached their hair before. Mm. Nope. Didn't work for them. Go right. ahead and put some color in like that. Like m M&M and bleach. M&M bleach. Yeah. Yep. You're damn right. Did not work for them. Go ahead and put some color back in that hair. They did that. They were back on track in life. Is there anything that you guys have tried that just didn't work. You tried it for a little bit, and then you moved on because nobody gave you any compliments on it. 704 uh, Yeah, no. Nothing like that. Everything's worked for you. <laughs>
2: not saying it like that. I've had fade, box, mo- well, it doesn't have to be hair. It could be anything. Oh, like have you, well, I mean, okay. That I thought you were talking st- about hair or facial hair, or stuff like that. When any- did you get the Kelsey, Wes? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been wearing that since I was like two or
1: three. Travis Kelsey made that famous, yeah, right? Yeah, Kelsey. And that's what oh, he yeah. would have you believe. Was there anything that you tried, Fiddy, that you were like, you know what? This just ain't really working for me. It can be a style. It can be anything in the world. It doesn't have to just be hair. I just want to know what kind of style you tried.
3: Seventh grade, the group of friends that Flounder and I had, we all got into classic rock. And we discovered that classic rock musicians in the, in the 70s and the 80s, they had long hair. So instead of doing something to my hair, I did nothing. And I just let it grow for, like, I think it was, like, six months I went without a haircut. Okay. And, like, when I tell you when I got out of the shower, I looked like one of Coach Case kids. Like a, I looked like a wet rat. That's what I look like because of how bad my hair. That's how long my hair was.
2: Coming after Coach K's kids, calling him wet rats. We do not uh, on the Wes and Walker show no. subscribe to the values of one J D Marlowe. We don't. We don't condone that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: he wants to try out this new nickname too. It's so random. It's so random. Um, the, yeah, I'm with you on that though. I'm, my unemployed hairstyle was growing it out. Really? Mm, didn't work well. in a backwards hat. It looked okay but I didn't train it to grow backwards as much. And so it was long and sleek No, it was just, it looked like a rat's nest, to be honest with you.
3: I, I gotta ask, because even Shroppy made the comment on Friday that by Monday, whatever you had growing was gonna be gone. I decided so what, to roll with it. Okay. It's and it's a strong feeling to
1: shave it, but look, I decided maybe, to roll with it.
3: Maybe you don't want to talk about it. Did your girlfriend tell you that she liked it and no. hinted towards you not to let it go?
1: No. That is not, she's not a fan, to be honest with you. Oh, but I'm like, look, cool. I gotta try it and figure it out. Yeah, we got a real broken home right now. It's a real problem. <laughs> this this bear Early beard that I have, we're on the rocks. Okay. We're trying to figure out how in the world we can try to figure this thing out while I can grow my beard and be myself and also live in that house. We'll figure out if I can still stay there. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about the Carolina Panthers. But you can text us. We can read it at the end of the break or at the end of the segment. What was the style you tried? It did not work out for you. 704-570-9610. Wes, if we look at past Super Bowl winners and just even past Super Bowl participants, you can see Pat Mahomes, who is in the GOAT conversation. We're all having the convo. Can we compare him to Tom Brady right now? Do we need to wait until he wins three more, whatever? As far as what we've seen, a quarterback in their prime, if you just go on a year-by-year basis, Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback I've ever seen. So you go back to some of these other Super Bowl winners. Matthew Stafford has long been lauded for the crazy superhuman type of throws that he can make. Sidearm, throwing 65, 70 yards downfield, crazy physical attributes where he was healthy this year and you got to see that again. Last year, he really wasn't. The Rams win a Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford has those types of abilities. We can go to some other quarterbacks that have had superhuman abilities. I would say Jalen Hurts has a pretty strong arm and physically a very gifted runner, and that helps them win, right? Do you need to have something along those lines in order to win at the highest level consistently? Is that what history is telling us? Or can you watch a Brock Purdy? And we have Bryce Young here. Because Brock Purdy, as we talked about yesterday, Wes, Nothing I'm pointing to from Brock Purdy and saying he's the reason why they lost. Nothing at all. I thought he took what the defense gave him. I thought he made, yes, there were open throws that he made, but he also hit him in stride. Like, I'm not trying to steal credit away from Purdy, who I thought played well in that game. Mm -hmm. We have a really small quarterback here where his gift is not anything physical. Nothing. Nothing is great about his physicality. He can run a little bit, but he's not like these other scrambling or running QBs. Brock Purdy probably has been a better scrambler than Bryce Young more room to work with because everybody else is worried about their weapons compared to Carolina, but Purdy has been able to use his legs quite a bit. How important is it to have some of those physical attributes from previous Super Bowl winners? Like, it, it seems to be a little bit of a trend
2: here. Uh, well, the thing that I think is the most consistent with the winners, the guys that get the job done and the guys that get their teams there is accuracy and decision-making. I mean, you can have all the physical gifts that you want. I mean, who's more physically gifted than Josh Allen? But the thing that hurts him in the playoffs accuracy, decision-making. Same thing with Lamar Jackson. What hurt him in the Kansas City game, decision-making. I think those are the two things that you have to have at the top of the list, and I think those are two of the traits that Bryce Young holds. And so I think that those are a couple of things that you got to look at and you say, all right, you know, we can win with that. We know that uh, his accuracy, especially when given the requisite time, uh, he can get the job done. And I think the decision-making aspect comes in, too. When you look at everything – that happened around Bryce Young this year, uh, he only threw 10 interceptions. It could have been way worse. Yeah, he had some pick sixes. He had some very untimely interceptions. I mean, there's never really a good time to throw a pick uh, unless it's the end of the half and you're just throwing it up for the heck of it and you get an interception. But other than that, I, I think the traits that you can look at any Super Bowl champion quarterback and see that they have it its accuracy and decision-making. And I think that Bryce Young... Uh, holds both of those
1: I, i wondered the the physicality that or the physical attributes that some of these quarterbacks bring to the table those can't be learned but the processing and the understanding of the game can and when you see that marriage of matthew stafford having been in the league for quite some time and still having those types of attributes once you get a head coach and once you get a good enough squad around you you win when you have pat mahomes it's been amazing to watch him as a processor because we didn't really, we saw the scrambling. Pat Mahomes as a scrambler is as effective as any QB in the league. He's not mm-hmm. the best rusher, right? Like Lamar, Josh Allen, a better rusher. But when it's scrambling, it's not a designed run. Pat Mahomes will take off on in man coverage and destroy you. And we've seen it time and time again. And so when we see the physical attributes married alongside processing, once these guys start to figure it out, Pat Mahomes is a savant in the Super Bowl. We're the best throw by far we saw was on the drive, they didn't score a touchdown. The other scores they had, it was exactly what you were talking about, Wes. It was accuracy and decision-making, but there's also that extra level they can get to when, okay, we need you to go out there and be Superman. Now, Brock Purdy wasn't, and they lost, but also it wasn't because of him. And I just wonder how we can make sense of it when you need a dude to go out there and be Superman, do you have it? And also, can you just win with the guy that isn't? I think you can. I think San Francisco can win with Brock Purdy. They almost did. So anybody hating on Brock like that or any quarterbacks like Brock? Come on. They were very close to winning. It got to overtime, and it wasn't because of Brock that they lost, right? Like defensive decision-making, defensive lapses for San Francisco, you could easily blame it there. You could blame it on coaching decision-making, right? So with Bryce, if we're trying to bring this thing local and figure out how did the Carolina Panthers get there, Bryce needs help. Needs a lot of it, especially where we're starting now. Offensive line, interior protection, wide receivers, all that good stuff. Better play calling. We hope to see that with Dave Canales and Brad Idzik as the offensive coordinator. You checked off some of those boxes, but you still have a long way to go. Free agency, draft, and just good old fashioned seasoning. I don't expect them to compete next year. What about second and third, right? How much help does a guy like Bryce need compared to some of these other QBs that, whoo, buddy. If they just want to turn it on and, and go into bleep it mode, like we can see those guys do it more so than some of the other quarterbacks that don't have those same kind of physical skill sets.
2: Yeah, I mean, you got to get them the things that's going to help those things shine through. What is going to help Bryce's uh, accuracy and decision-making? Decision well, it's going to be wide receivers that can win their matchups in the requisite time. And that two and a half to three seconds that you have to get the football off, does he have guys where Bryce can— you know, pinpoint or automatically, no pre-snap, okay, this is covered. This, I know that, let's just say they get T Higgins. I know T is going to beat this guy doing this, so I'm going to go with him to the football. Or I know that they're going to do this coverage, so I know that I got uh, Adam in the slot. If they take away this guy and this guy, I know I can hit him on the check down. It's those type of things. Giving him the offensive line is going to allow him the time to be able to, to let that processing go through its natural course. Those are the things that you need. It doesn't necessarily have to be the biggest name of guys. You look at Kansas City's receiving core outside of Travis Kelsey. There aren't any household names in that group yet. Rasheed Rice is still on the come up. But what he did have was guys that could get open, guys that as the season went on, as the playoffs went along, they knew the scheme. They led the league in drops. And they had a guy like, Kader is telling who was having missed assignments and blowing assignments. But as far as what the Chiefs were doing, they were doing what they needed to do. They just weren't catching the ball when Patrick Mahomes was putting it there. But once they started to do that, then you see Mahomes just needs guys that can get open, that that he can find what the football and get it to him because that's one guy he's not going to make bad decisions you see you know people talk to game manager game changer you saw how pat mahomes managed that last drive he managed it to a t he did everything he needed to do to manipulate that football game he didn't put the ball in harm's way like that as far as throwing any risky types of passes he knew exactly what he was doing to manipulate that 49ers defense how he wanted to go and it resulted in that last touchdown so i think for bryce You just got to be able to find him good enough talent, and it doesn't have to be top shelf talent, but good enough talent to allow him to get back there and have, you know, not necessarily a clear pocket, but just for that processing to be able to work at its best and for that accuracy to be able to work at its best.
1: Do you feel like there are a lot of similarities between Brock Purdy and Bryce Young?
2: Um, I think that. The two things that we've been talking about this whole conversation, I think they have that in common. And I think that's the thing yeah. about Brock Purdy. It's like, no, you know, when he does run, yeah, he can get out of there and do what he needs to do. That but was no, his best play of the yeah, Super Bowl. He's, he's going to pass to He's not going to blow you away with his arm. He's not going to blow you away with his physical stature. It's the fact that he makes the correct decisions. Pretty much, I think his uh, completion percentage was high 60s or whatever the case may be, but he makes. Really good decisions all the time, and he gets the football, as you pointed out in the Super Bowl, with accuracy. And sometimes people don't understand what that is. They think accuracy, as long as the guy catches it, that it's an accurate ball. But it's like you said, Walker, hitting a Debo Samuel or an Ayuk in stride so that they can continue to make plays, or doing like a Tom Brady, keeping your guy out of uh, harm's way and throwing the ball behind him because you know he's going to get drilled. Those are the things uh, that I think that they share – in common with each other. And I think that once Bryce gets the requisite guys around him, you'll start to see that shine through.
1: All right. I wanted to read some of these texts because we got a lot of good ones. What is a style, a hairstyle or just anything that you've tried before that did not work out well? Herman photography writes back in. Yes. Exclamation point. My barber went on vacation. So I used the chair next to his, my hairline died that day. Yeah, that's (laughs) tough. (laughs) trophy husband says I had a girlfriend that wanted to dye my hair Hot Rod Red, way back in high school. It came out Pepto-Bismol pink, and I got sent home from work. I was a waiter at Outback at the time. That's a good one. Mm, that was Hot Rod Red. But my question is, did you think it was a good idea at first, or did you just do it because your girlfriend wanted to? Probably, probably
2: because your girlfriend. Yeah. Because I think a lot of the bad decisions that we're going to see that these guys make <laughs> is going to come probably uh, at the behest of their woman.
1: The salesman wrote, uh, wrote in, I tried a rat tail back in like 87. And I was chunky with glasses and braces, total nerd trying to figure life out. That thing was a bigger bust than Jimmy Clausen. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Clausen hairdo with the rat tail back in '87. I would love to see a picture though. If you have one, salesman, please send it in. Alex in Fayetteville said, "I tried to go my hair, grow to my hair into locks after I left the army." My head is just not made for it. Yeah, I apologize for that. <laughs> Panther Bo said, I have a bucket hat I love to wear, but my girl hates it. Says I look like a fat comedian. Now, go ahead and grab the mic, Fitty. Oh, man. Because I love bucket hats. I think they're awesome. West looks great in a bucket hat. He does. Thank
2: you. You look great in a bucket hat. Yeah, bucket hat Fitty was a vibe. Was a vibe. You remember that in the summer? Was a vibe. Yeah. Is I it because
3: it? I'm short and rather round and I'm bald and like it just looks like a like i just i just have the, the 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 mold i guess of a guy that wears a bucket hat at that the might beach. be true that might be true but
2: you know what you pull it off well thank you well ll cool j wore bucket hats and he was as fit as anybody really so that's i've one never of seen signature- ll cool
3: j in a, in a bucket yeah hat. that was one of his signature that, looks when he first thing.
2: came out he wore buckets all the time that's you definitely get buckets i don't know i, I don't know it depends on how you define buckets
1: <laughs> basketball is what i would go with i think i think like normal but i don't know i'm not going to explore that any further let's continue to talk about the super bowl because we can make another thing local here how did sunday's super bowl loss impact steve Wilkes' future in the nfl some questions around him we'll get to that in just a moment sports radio 92 7 wfnc People are having fun telling us about the problems they had, trying a style back in the day. It just didn't work, and you learned from it, and you grew from it. We have 980 writing in, about 15 years ago, I was really fit, and I shaved my chest. My wife absolutely hated it. Way less fit now, hairy chest, 25th anniversary this year. Lesson learned, flex emoji. Wow,
2: okay. I wouldn't, I wonder why she didn't like it, especially if he was fit.
1: What's a real man out here, Wes? Don't need to shave no chest. Yeah, I got you. I don't need a fit guy shaving their chest. Give me a little bit of love handles with a little hairy bit of chest. Taco
2: meat. Just a little bit. Okay. Do y'all shave y'all's chest? I do no, not. I don't.
3: I do
1: not shave my chest. I do manscape,
2: chest. but I don't shave my chest. I think Fitty shaves it.
3: I do it like every three <laughs> to four months. I'll just clean it up and then Okay. Yeah, let it let it grow back out.
1: Just for those second? Well, yeah, just so people know that pause in what Fiddy was talking about—that was for him to check his chest and his belly to see, I guess, if you were shaving. Is it
2: time for a, a shave yet? Yeah, it's getting—it's
3: been a, was it, a little bit before Christmas, I think, before I last shaved it. So, okay, I mean that's important
2: stuff. You know, you got a manscape.
1: Thank you for all that information that you shared. We've learned a lot about your bathroom habits, and I'm not sure why. Big Cat Dan says, mine is back in the day. I tried the Bobby Brown Gumby cut. I did not look good.
2: As long as he doesn't have Bobby Brown jaw.
1: That's the good part about it. That's true, too. Uh, Tennessee Jed (laughs) writes in, buzz cutting for summer two-a-days. That did not work out well for me. And so we got a a few people writing a lot of those in. Finally, Richard Petty, he writes in again, Walker's going to be calling poop patrol for his own messes when his girl puts him out of the house for that beard. Yeah, yeah, I might just have to do that. So I appreciate you bringing that up. 704-570-9610. Feel free to continue to write on in. 704 writes in about what we teased with. Steve Wilkes is there a problem with the way that Steve Wilkes called his defense specifically in the second half of the Super Bowl? And 704 from Salisbury writes in, Wilkes got out coached by Spags. It was great that the refs let the teams play; they didn't try to take over the game, and that's always a plus. Wes, what kind of problems did you have with Steve Wilkes, if any, in how he called the defense on the Super Bowl?
2: I mean, listen, I know you had a ginormous task. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Trying to stop Patrick Mahomes in a clutch. Uh, situation, and it's hard to you know know which way to go. I mean, you had where Mahomes was making plays when they went to zone, and then you had plays, especially when they went to man, they started killing them with the crossing routes and things of that nature. And I think the main thing that hurt Wilkes kind of in those situations was the defensive line was no longer getting home. You look at the beginning of the first half, and uh, or not even just the beginning, you look at the entirety of the first half and the 49ers' front four, Uh, was dominant. They were getting there, hitting Mahomes. Even when he was trying to scramble out of the pocket, they were right on top of that. And I think when you, you know, have the fact that your defensive line is no longer getting home, Mahomes are starting to dink and dunk. And so I think that... uh, Wilkes got a little bit anxious and then he starts wanting to come with those blitzes. And then yeah. Mahomes started having answers for that as well. And I just think it got to a point where they had no answers for what they wanted to do. Now, uh, if anything San Francisco's defense did, we know how much they gave up on the run during these playoffs, and they were able to uh curtail that in the Super Bowl. And like I said, they had Patrick Mahomes under wraps for most uh of that first half, and then until The muff punt happened, and they wake up after they score a touchdown there. But uh, I think just for Wilkes, man, I I think he just got into a position where it was no man's land. His defensive line got gassed and weren't able to get home. Because if you get a sack on on that last drive or during that overtime drive, who knows how— big that would have been but if 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 was a spliff right but i just think that for uh wilkes i just think that there was just not much he could do down the stretch with an exhausted defense and then kansas city up the tempo too they were cooked well and i think the biggest criticism
1: for steve wilkes is that the timing of the blitz is just when he called him and even just the amount that he called and i think most people are going to go to that third and sixth defensive play call when Kansas City had to get it, well, and they they were in four down territory because they were going to try to kick the field goal at least to tie it in overtime, and you know eventually they would score a touchdown. Who knows how much they would have tried to just score a touchdown outright, even if they were in field goal position, you know? So we'll see. I I, I don't know what Kansas City would have done in that situation, but that third and six, that was close to midfield when Kansas City was in overtime. Steve Wilkes decided to call one play. Remember, Shanahan calls a timeout, and Kyle Shanahan clearly not happy with the defensive play call made by Steve Wilkes. Tony Romo was calling it out on the broadcast. You could see him frustrated. He was putting the play sheet over his mouth, but still, you could see that he wasn't very happy, and so here they have a different play call. What is it? It's a blitz, and Pat Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks of all time, period, But also, against the Blitz, Pat Mahomes just destroys it all the time. And that was the play call in such a crucial play in that game. What happens, he hits Rasheed Rice coming over the middle, 13-yard gain, and then Rice gets pushed out of bounds. And I remember even afterwards, Tony was saying, yeah, you just can't do it. And so, if, if you have Pat Mahomes, who granted, I don't know what you could do to stop him. I really don't. But also, it doesn't seem like the right thing to do to call a blitz against the guy that is notorious for just destroying them throughout his entire career and has been doing that now for a few seasons. And Kyle Shanahan has made Steve Wilkes out to be the scapegoat a couple of times, like in a way I thought was unnecessary too. We can all remember the Minnesota defensive call where Jordan Addison has the big bomb of a touchdown at the end of the first half. And it felt like they were talking about that play call for like a couple of weeks It just was weird that they didn't seem to let it go. And it's a high standard of D.C.'s in San Francisco, man. Like, these guys are out here getting head coaching jobs. Robert Sala, D'Amico Ryans. Ryans did a great job with what he did in Houston. And those defenses were excellent. I don't know if the talent is as good on some of those other rosters. But it's still good, clearly. Very, very good. Watching the 49ers every weekend as you do, Wes, like, how thrilled or how happy were you? With the way that Wilkes called the defense throughout the season and in the postseason compared to what you did see from a D'Amico and a Robert Sala.
2: Well, I knew with them having so many guys coming back, uh, Fred Warner and all those guys back in the mix. I mean, you had your core guys, and I knew they had to shake up a little bit uh, in the secondary, which you get, uh, you know, whether you talk about Traverius Ward and those guys, but. You had the additions that they made during the season because the main issue that the 49ers were having and why they made that deal for Chase Young was because, one, they weren't getting enough pass rush on the other side of Nick Bosa. And then Javon Hargrave, uh, he was definitely a nice addition. Lord knows they paid a lot for him, but he... You know, he was a guy in the playoffs. You didn't really hear much from him at all. He made some plays here or there, but we know that this was a double-digit sack guy on the interior defensive line. That was his claim to fame when he came to San Francisco. You weren't getting much from him there. Then Chase Young, he comes there, makes a little bit of noise, but still not quite enough of an impact, uh, you know, that they wanted. And so when the Super Bowl, he comes back and plays well. So to say all that... Um, I'm saying that I thought he did a good job of, of basically carrying the torch that Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryans had left, but this was the defense that still, you know, had some flaws and especially when they went to man and all of the, um, the stunts that they would run on the defensive line. I know there were issues with that. Richard Sherman talked about that earlier in the season. So to say as a fan of the team, you know, I thought he did a, an above-average job. You know, he had him as a top-five unit, uh, whatever the case may be. But I just thought that there were times to where the decision-making from him wasn't necessarily on the up-and-up. And, again, I just thought that his defensive line, you know, I won't completely put 100% of it on him. Yeah. But I just thought that the D-line just really hurt him down the stretch because they ran out of gas.
1: Well, and CJ writes in on the text line, the Niners only gave up a one one thirteen yard touchdown and off the turnover in regulation, that's pretty good defense. And so I think that's the the case for Steve Wilkes. The fact that he did do a good job and those guys were real disciplined and Steve Wilkes is at the helm of all of that, calling the plays and making sure his guys are coached up right. So you only give up 19 points in regulation. You do have a monster drive from Pat Mahomes where they almost scored another touchdown on their very own, not needing the help of a, a gaff on special teams. But there is 19 points scored in regulation. And then you do have the help of what was just a weird play. I don't even know if I'm blaming anybody, right? Maybe you could blame the guy who had the football hit off of his foot. Ray Ray McLeod, we thought he is the one that messed up, but he was actually making a smart play because he well, saw it hit. Well, mm-hmm.
2: well he, was, he saw it. What he should have done on a ball, though. Well, I just think that was just very stupid of him to try to pick it up and run like he should have fallen on it. Fair enough.
1: But at least it was right to go after it. People thought like, wait, what are you doing when you're going after the football? And then it became a smart play because he was the only one. And at least with people watching the broadcast that saw it hit off that guy's foot. Steve Wilkes in the first half, that defense in the first half, clearly very good. The plays that mattered, as we like to say, Mm -hmm. two minute drill at the end of regulation, overtime. I think that's when people in real time, too, were like questioning the play call. And that's the difference. It, some of this can be had in hindsight, but even in real time, people were raising an eyebrow at some of the play calls coming in from one Steve Wilkes. We can get back to some Super Bowl conversation uh, later uh, later on in the show. We have the coaching decision do-over Super Bowl edition at 120, but it's the campus corner coming up next. Wake Forest not able to get it done against Duke, but it's okay. They still have some time. We'll talk about it in the campus corner. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.